Welcome to Ag Vic Talk, keeping you up to date with information from Agriculture Victoria. Building your own farming enterprise from scratch can seem like a distant dream for many aspiring young farmers. However, the thought of having three farms under your control before you're even 30 would sound like pure fiction to most. G'day, I'm Drew Radford and what I'm describing is the remarkable achievement of Emma Hawker and Tristan Schilling, who've left no stone unturned in their quest to become farmers. To find out how they've achieved it, they join me in the AgVic Talk studio. Thank you both for your time. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Firstly, whereabouts do you farm? I'd say we farm at Eden Oak in Victoria. We also do some farming at Nil, Victoria. It's about 100 kilometres down the road. So, yeah, we've diversified a little bit. And what do you farm? Yeah, we do cropping at Nil and we do, yeah, mainly sheep at, um, at Eden Oak. How big are the properties, Emma? So the one down at Eden Oak, that's a 730-acre property. And then up at Nil, it's about 700. We have another one at Douglas now, 640 acres. Another lease property. So that's a lease property. That's quite a bit of growth for both of you because let's wind it back just a little bit. First of all, how did you come into farming, Emma? So my parents are in a transport and haulage business. So I've always been around farming, but I yeah trained as a registered nurse and really got involved in about 2014 with Tristan when him and his brother were looking at buying their parents' farm. On that, Tristan, you grew up on the family farm and it was a succession thing, was it? Yeah, so I grew up on the family farm at Nil. Dad, Mum and Dad, they had about 5,000 acres of just continuous cropping and then, yeah, they were um, struck by the millennium drought and sort of um, downsized from 2011 through. They sort of downsized, got yeah, smaller and smaller and so that's where my brother and I in 2016, got the opportunity to buy the last bit of property they had left. So you went into share farming with your brother then. How did that go? Uh, we, um, my brother and I bought the last 820 acres of my parents' farm. And, and look, we didn't get on from the start. We sort of both had different ideas and how to work it, who was going to work it and, and all that sort of stuff. And basically after I worked for two years and after that, we both decided to sell it. And that was going to be the easiest option to go our own ways. That sounds like a quick and smart early decision rather than labouring through something for a very long time, I'd imagine. Yeah, like at the time it wasn't probably the easiest, but looking back on it, it probably worked out for the best to dissolve it quickly and move on and get our lives on track when we're in our early 20s. That's easier said than done though, isn't it? Because selling one property, which I assume you probably had to borrow for in the first place, and then trying to go on and set up another property, it's not straightforward. No, no. As soon as we sold that property, I was pretty much just on the agents, real estate agents and looking around and look, we looked everywhere for like within a 300 kilometre radius just for, for something. And that's um, where we got the opportunity to buy down at Eden Oak. This, it was a pretty rundown farm when we bought it. And a lot of people said, oh, you're silly buying that farm. It's not this, it's not that. And, <laughs> and yeah, we never looked back really. Emma, I understand there's a bit of a phrase for this property though, which relates to suburban real estate, doesn't it? Yeah, one of the worst farms on the best street. <laughs> So did you buy it together? Uh, no. Well, at the time I bought it, it was just Emma and I had only been together for three years. So I bought it just off my own bat and, and yeah. But has, has that caused issues down the track, though, in terms of now you're a partnership? But I imagine the property's in your name. How's the bank deal with that? Yeah, so in 2019, we officially became Teenies 
Farms partnership because, yeah, as Tristan said, despite being together for many years and especially this farm building it up from the ground up, we realised because it was in Tristan's name, when it comes to the bank, they don't recognise us as official partners or equal partners. So that really was the culmination for us forming a partnership uh, when the bank didn't recognise us. (laughs) Obviously, though, it sounds like you've got around that, though, Emma, because... You've gone from that one property, whereas now you're involved in three properties, I think. Yeah, so it's still all sitting with Tristan because you've got to have so many years as a partnership for them to recognise, so you definitely need 12 months. And then just the way it's been going, we haven't really needed to go back again. We'll be revisiting that in the coming months, though. So luckily, we've just been able to push on with the two of us and our off-farm income to keep getting us through. The reason I ask that is being in an official partnership, I imagine that makes things easier down the track, does it, in terms of dealing with banks and future financing issues? Yeah, definitely. And that's why we did it. That's why we became partners on paper. (laughs) Tristan, winding it back just a fraction, you were very honest and upfront there in regards to, look, you worked out very quickly with your brother that it wasn't going to work between the two of you. So what would you suggest to siblings who are looking at succession planning and and moving ahead with the family property? Yeah, look, just get it done early and and like Emma and I have talked, like if we ever have kids, like we'll be succession planning with them from day dot, if you know what I mean. Like it won't be a, a drawn out process. I think every family farm has had some sort of complications in some sort of succession planning. So we've gone through it early. It's going to be one of the first things we do when we have children. That's if they are or aren't interested in the farm. It's just got to be done. Is that a lot about two expectations on children as well? That, well, we. I was a farmer, you're going to be a farmer. Is it something like that? No, that's right. There's always something got to be done with the farm, whether they're going to be a farmer or not. So just you just got to get it done and get it sorted. And I suppose succession planning's so big now because everyone else's parents have basically stuffed it up in some <laughs> respects. That's why it's so big now. Emma, what did you take away from that process? It definitely shows the importance of setting clear boundaries and expectations because whilst it is a family, it is a business. So I think sometimes it's really hard to separate family from business, but at the end of the day, like farming is a business, so you need to make business decisions. So yeah, really learning that separation, which can be really difficult because obviously for parents, this is their whole life and we were still quite young coming into it, but just the requiring boundaries and really clear expectations and everyone's roles and responsibilities I think is really important from the outset otherwise it can become quite a headache. That sounds like very sage advice that at the end of the day it is a business and that's often difficult to separate when you've grown up on the family property. Yeah it is tough but I don't know you've just got to move on and get it done and everyone's got to live on with their lives I suppose. Well you have moved on and you have got it done I would argue almost in remarkable time now being involved in three properties beyond the initial, okay, we're going to go out on our own. What are some of the things that have been a challenge to get to this point? Yeah, look, cash flow is a big thing. So when we bought the farm at Eden Oak, we just pretty much had enough money for a deposit and then the bank said, yep. And then when it comes to livestock, find your own way. So look, we've had off-farm income and just saved and worked hard for it and probably missed out on a lot of things to put towards our farm and that sort of stuff so yeah cash flow is 
one of the hardest things we've found, especially with the bank, is they sort of, if you want to borrow 100 grand, you sort of nearly got to have 100 grand before they give you money nowadays. So that's been our hardest thing. In terms of that off-farm income, is that you, Emma, working as a nurse? Yeah, yeah. So I work at our local hospital. I've also moved into a quality role. So that's been keeping us going there. And then Tristan was also shearing. And then on weekends, usually it'd be doing the farm work. That's quite a balance, isn't it? Is is that about, you know, that would have an impact on both of you in terms of trying to manage your time effectively, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. Especially if I'm working Monday to Friday and then just like on the weekend we had landmarking and doing that on the weekend and then back into work again Monday. But yeah, one thing I think we really worked out at the start, you know, we would do our own shearing. So Tristan would be shearing. I'd be in the shed rousing and we'd like slowly make our way through. And then we're like, this probably isn't working in terms of we're missing out on completing other jobs. So it was really having a look at how can we be time effective in the sense that while we might have to pay someone, the time it's saving might be the opportunity costs we're gaining. So yeah, it's really been a review of what we should be doing and not just doing everything ourselves. So now like we'll get another shearer in and another rousey so we can get it done in a couple of days instead of I think what we did over a month of weekends. So yeah. Emma, that sounds really the simple age old adage of sometimes you've got to spend money to save money as well isn't it i mean that's that's a smart application of resources yeah definitely definitely that pretty much sums it up that it'd sum it up also for tensions are working together on certain occasions i'm sure as well well look we have arguments there's no doubt about that but at the end of the day we always come home and always back to normal sort of thing i think it's just part of any any normal farming relationship I reckon. Are there any other challenges that you've had along the way that come to mind that you've come over? I mean most people would have just kept on in your scenario. No we're not going to bring somebody in we're going to keep working that through. So are there there other challenges that you've managed to work through to get to this point? I'd say we've been really lucky in building like our machinery asset base which has allowed us to expand is some contracting yeah, so we've bought some machinery in our own jobs and then we've gone out and said, oh, let's see if we can do some contracting with it, which we've been pretty fortunate. So, yeah, we've bought a spreader to do our own spreading and end up doing a lot of spreading contracting with that. And we bought a header to do our own harvest and, yeah, ended up doing our own harvest and going and doing a lot of contract harvesting with that, which has really helped us. And bought an air seeder and went up Donald, did a lot of contract cropping up there, which was good. And it's really helped us get to where we are. That's probably a big help as long as with our off-farm income. That's a smart way of looking at it too, isn't it? Because, you know, buying the land's only the first part, then actually having the equipment to work it is an entirely separate equation and often nearly as expensive. No, that's and especially for our acreage, a bank looks at us and says, you know, what, what do you want to buy that for? You're better off getting a contractor, but then at the end of the day, once you've owned it, you can do it when you, when you need. So sort of a catch-22 when it comes to that stuff, sort of trying to borrow money and build up machinery-wise. It's pretty clear that you're working towards your dreams. Based on how hard you've both worked to get this far, what makes you feel positive about the future of your careers in agriculture? I just think coronavirus has really proven. So when coronavirus first came in last March, I think it was, we had lambs and my agent was telling me, oh, we better start you know, booking some forward contracts in for lambs because this could be disastrous, what's going to happen, and, and grain and all this. And I think it's just really proved that there's such a strong demand for it, like products of agriculture, and, and it's a really positive industry to be in. It's also the, like the lifestyle, like I think having 
ownership of your business and like our future, you know, building something together. It's really enjoyable. I think farming, it's a lifestyle and it can be really hard. You need to be really resilient, but it can also be like so enjoyable, um, rewarding, and you can come home and just feel like you've really accomplished something that's not only for yourself, but is going to benefit your community and society. Have you been involved with external groups and mentoring programs or anything like that that's helped you get to this point? Not exactly external mentoring programs as such. I'd say we've been extremely lucky and grateful for the support networks that we have and the friendships and relationships we've built from Tristan Shearing and just living in the community that we do. And we've been extremely fortunate to have a lot of people sharing their knowledge and wisdom with us. That's including of our neighbours down south who are really welcoming because it is a different farming type down there. They've been our unofficial mentors and it has been a major influence and really assisted us to get to where we are now. I suppose we've also received some great advice, that being like having a really good team surrounding you. So when you're looking at your team, like your stock agent, your agronomist, accountant, and also just building on your own knowledge at all times. So yeah, not formal, but definitely we've had some fantastic unofficial mentors. It sounds like you're balancing quite a bit there, Emma and Tristan, between running the farm, off-farm work, working as a nurse in your case, Emma, and also doing further study. I think a lot of people would feel like their nose is just above the waterline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it can be quite stressful and difficult, but yeah, got to keep pushing because it's at the end of the day we're achieving our dreams. Emma Hawker and Tristan Schilling, you've achieved an enormous amount in a short time and I look forward to hearing what you achieve over the years ahead. But thank you so much for joining me today in the AgVic Talk studio. No worries. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Drew. It was really good. Thank you for listening to AgVic Talk. For more episodes in this series, find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or rating and share this series with your friends and family. All information is accurate at the time of release. Contact Agriculture Victoria or your consultant before making any changes on farm. This podcast was developed by Agriculture Victoria, authorised by the Victorian Government Melbourne.